You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with the heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. I'm preaching on a very similar passage to the gospel passage, but it's actually from Luke uh, chapter 12. Um, I'll talk about that in a minute if you want to Find that if you have a Bible, it'll be helpful, or on your phone, Luke chapter 12, verses 1 through 12. Uh, Before I I look at that, though, with you, I just want to tell you a a story real quick uh, that relates uh, to this passage, the content of it, and like I said, the other gospel texts, that uh, when I first became a a believer, I was living in the San Francisco, uh, California, uh, Bay Area, where I'm from. And uh, I didn't tell people right away uh, because, uh, you know, the rumors are true about the society out there. It was very unpopular in terms of my friends and family to let them know that I was now following Jesus and going to church. Um, My uh, one of my best friends was getting married and I was uh, the what do you call it the best man. So I had to put together the bachelor party. And what we did is we went on a camping trip, an overnight camping trip, not far from San Francisco, actually, with a group of his friends that I kind of sort of knew, but he knew them better. Uh, but he uh, was a, a, my best friend. And, um, and so this is shortly after me, at least for myself and some very few people, confessing Christ and starting to go to church. And they didn't know. He didn't know. And, for, and no one ever talked about Christians where I was from. I mean, it's not that people were antagonistic. They were basically, it was a non-topic. I mean, if anything, ap- apathy was what was ruling the day. And on this camping trip, Christianity kept coming up, like in a disparaging way about those Christians and about Jesus and making fun of Jesus over and over again. And my temperature, like, just kept rising. And um, I just, I didn't know what to do until finally... In in San Francisco, I came out of the closet (laughs) as a Christian on this camping trip and and told them, you guys, you've been doing this the whole trip, and i got to let you know that I'm now a Christian. I I now follow Jesus. And they were like, come on. They thought I was joking. I said, no, I'm dead serious. The things that you're saying are offending me. Um, and, 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 And at the time, a little bit in retrospect, I realized what was happening is God did this. God did this to me. He, he was making them do this to, to cause me uh, to trust in him and the work of the Holy Spirit in my life to, to propel myself outward as a, as a Christian and to speak up for the faith and say, could you stop? Could you please stop? And then what happened is Christianity kept being the topic of the bachelor party, but in the other direction of what? What are you talking about? Why are you interested in that? Um, Jesus, uh, in the, uh, um, uh, the passage that we have today, is speaking to the, the difficulty of these situations that I even still experience as a professional Christian of, on the one hand, pleasing people, you know, like my friend and his friends on this bachelor party, and on the other hand, pleasing God. In these situations uh, where we might be sort of backed into the corner, uh, and the difficulty in this, these situations is that I don't feel like I always know what to say exactly. Even as a professional Christian, as I said, I still find it difficult. And how, not just the content of what to say, but how to say it. 
And I wonder if you've found yourself in, in similar situations of, uh, you know, of, of, of trying uh, to discern what to say when someone might be uh, challenging you in terms of your faith, either implicitly or explicitly. In our passage in uh, Luke 12, verses 1 through 12, um, <clears throat> provides some guidance. It's helpful to know the, the context of what's going on here a little bit for the first couple of verses that Jesus has just challenged the uh, religious leaders, uh, the Jewish re- religious leaders. It just got louder. Can you finally hear me? There you go. Um, the, uh, the, the, the Pharisees and, and the lawyers. And this is why Jesus says, in the meantime, when so many thousands of people had gathered together that they were trampling one another, he began to say to his disciples first, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. What's he talking about here? Well, first of all, there's a large crowd of people. A lot of people to please uh, are, are crowding around Jesus. And it's after this encounter with the Pharisees that he then says to them, basically, the Pharisees are people pleasers. Beware of being like the Pharisees uh, who are hypocrites. Uh, beware of the leaven, the, the yeast that goes into the dough to cause it to rise. Jesus often talks about the leaven either in a good way or a bad way. Either the kingdom of God is the leaven in a good way, or there, here we see the leaven of the Pharisees that gets in and spreads, the hypocrisy spreads. Don't be infected by this disease of the Pharisees to please the crowds, is what he's saying here. Nothing, then he says, nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. There will come a day when truth is disclosed, the day of judgment. All falsehood will be disclosed, and the things uh, that are will be known. And so the people-pleasing is futile in the end anyway, because... The truth of where anyone stands is going to come out. And uh, as a result, Jesus then says this. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more uh, that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who after he has killed has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. You can either fear the people, uh, and they can do as terrible a thing as to take your earthly life away. They can murder you, and you will die. But that's not the end for any of us. There's a life beyond the grave uh, for all of us. The worst persecution can get is murder, and someone take your life away. But there's an authority beyond the grave, uh, which is more powerful, and he's referring to the authority of God. And so that's why he says, fear him. Fear who? Fear, fear God, who has authority beyond the grave, the, the authority even to cast uh, into hell. Uh, I mean, that sounds a little bit of a downer, but this is actually a comforting passage. This is uh, meant to comfort us, which is why he says after this, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, and not <clears throat> one of them is forgotten before God? Why, even if the hairs of your head are all numbered, fear not, you are more value, uh, of more value than many sparrows. What's he saying here? That, that God knows everything. He knows the details 
of all creatures, even birds, even sparrows. Uh, and he cares for them. He knows when a sparrow dies. If he cares for even sparrows when, uh, you know, they fall from the sky, how much more so? You're not an animal. You know, you're created in the image of God. How much more so does he he care about you? He even knows, you know, he's knowing me less and less because, you know, I have less and less hair. Uh, But he knows he knows that much detail uh, about you is even the the number of hairs. I don't know how many hairs are on my head, but God knows, you know, and if he knows that he knows so much more about my life. He cares for me uh, so much. He cares for you, Jesus is saying, so much that he knows even details about yourself that you don't know. Uh, he, he loves you so much he wants to know that about you. And so he says, And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man, also will acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. What's going on here? Because he's talking about if you acknowledge Jesus, if you acknowledge the Son of Man, he'll acknowledge you. But then he says, if you, uh, if you speak a word against the Son of Man, you'll be forgiven. Doesn't that seem to contradict itself? Well, no, because that's why he says after this, uh, but the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. What's he mean? He means there might be a time in your life, like in my life, or like my friends on the trip, you know, there's still hope for them. They were blaspheming against the Son of, God, the Son of Man, you know, and so did I. But the, the, what does it mean to blaspheme against the Holy Spirit? That means to ignore for your entire life the promptings of the Holy Spirit to respond to who Jesus is. You know, you can be forgiven of denying Jesus and then coming around in repentance, but if your whole life, if you, if you deny the Holy Spirit's work in your life to turn you towards Jesus, you're in a lot of trouble. That's what he's talking about here. Uh, but the one who acknowledges Jesus uh, because they're, they've, they've responded to those promptings of the Holy Spirit, the Son of Man, when he returns, uh, will acknowledge them uh, before all of heaven. And then finally, some more words of comfort. And when uh, they bring you before the synagogues, And the rulers and the authorities do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Um, Just as he, you know, as he did for me when I was forced to say, look, I'm a Christian now. No, I really mean it. Uh, 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 I don't really know what to say, but I'm saying it, you know. Uh, the, the Holy Spirit is the one that, that guides us in those situations, even if we feel like we're not doing the right thing. I thought I'd bring in a, a, um, a relatively recent story of someone uh, doing what is described here. Maybe some of you have heard about this man, but I haven't until recently. Uh, and apparently he was in Birmingham, Alabama on July 19th, 2004, because this is where this comes from. Uh, this guy named Joseph Son, spelled T-S-O-N, uh, was a Romanian, uh, still is, a Romanian uh, pastor. Here's uh, a story of his time when he was speaking at Sanford University here in Birmingham, Alabama, and this is a, re- a report of that event. It was in the late summer of 1977, and Romania was under communist rule when the Baptist minister put all his worldly concerns in order after the manner of a dying man. Buoyed by the courage of his wife, Elizabeth, son prepared himself for certain martyrdom. 
He was to meet an officer from the secret police in the restaurant of a nondescript Romanian hotel. The communist officer had pledged to do what previous secret police officials had failed to do, silence Sun's ministry by offering him a secular job in exchange for, the, for a promise that he never again preach the gospel. Turning down the job spelled at least hard time in a prison camp and might very well mean execution. Sun met with a man and without flinching turned the job down. And here's a quote from him. I told the man, now I'm ready to die, Sun said. You said you were going to finish me as a preacher. I asked my God, and he wants me to continue to be a preacher. Now I have to make one of you two angry, and I decided it is better to make you angry than God. But I know you, sir. You cannot stand this kind of opposition, and you will kill me in one way or another. But I accepted that, and you should know that I have even put everything in order and made ready, uh, and made ready to die. But as long as I am free, I will preach the gospel. And here's an interesting twist. The communist officer was equally unflinching in his response. He told Sun to go and preach the gospel. He, the officer, made up his mind that if I was ready to die for it, then I should have it, Sun said. And for another four years until they exiled me, I continued to preach with nobody disturbing me because that man, a key man in the secret police, decided I should be free to preach because I was ready to die for it. What about, well, what about us? You know, I mean... Um, you, you know, you don't, you don't live in uh, communist Romania. Um, you don't live in San Francisco. Uh, we don't. What, what, what about us? Knowing that, that God cares for us and that he wants us to choose the difficult route of, of not pleasing people uh, by re- representing him in, in all situations that we find ourselves in. And meanwhile, knowing that God loves us and will guide us by his Holy Spirit. What will we do the next time we're in an uncomfortable situation? When our convictions about Jesus, the Bible, and convictions about God uh, could lead us to to discomfort or even physical harm, what will we do in those situations? In the South, I think the scenario mostly plays out like this, of living here, not just almost six years in Birmingham, but two, two and a half years in South Carolina. Here's my assessment of how this plays out in the South. We won't be physically harmed. We won't be killed. What will happen is is this. Those of us who genuinely follow Jesus become socially unacceptable. In the South, what happens is when we genuinely follow Jesus, we become socially unacceptable. Uh, People who like religion and church persecute us by saying things like, you're taking this Jesus stuff altogether too seriously. You need to calm down. You're embarrassing us. I mean, we like church, we like Jesus, but you take it too seriously. You need to calm down. And if you don't calm down, some people may no longer want to associate with you. You might not be invited uh, to certain social gatherings, to certain clubs. You might not get certain jobs. Um, You might not even be wanted at certain churches uh, if, if you're genuinely following Jesus. Our discomfort for Jesus in the South is almost entirely social which is a big deal in the South. I mean, we value our social connections. And so that's the place, of course, where the, the, the devil is, is at work for us, is right there in that place of tension and these social connections. 
Uh, here is why we need to make the sacrifice for Jesus, though, no matter where we live and what it looks like, whether you're in Romania or, or San Francisco or Birmingham, Jesus is unpopular everywhere. The world is at enmity everywhere with God. Uh, it just looks different in different places. And this is why uh, we need to, to make the sacrifice, whatever it is for us, wherever we live, and, uh, and not please man, but to please God. Uh, do you know the story from Acts chapter 7 of Stephen, uh, one of the uh, first deacons, servants of the church, who, you know, he's, he's made a deacon if that's what he was, and what does he do? He goes out and preaches. So, I mean, even the guy who's ordained for service uh, goes and, and preaches the gospel. And this leads, he's preaching to some Jewish leaders who don't like what he's saying about the prophets and how they've killed all the prophets and calls them a stiff-necked people. You've killed all the prophets. And then we learn this at the end of chapter 7 in Acts. They, they, uh, then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep, prayed just like Jesus prayed on the cross. And then at the beginning of chapter 8, and Saul, which, by the way, is the Apostle Paul, later have his name changed, and Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church, and entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. As I said, Saul would go on uh, to have an encounter with Jesus and become the Apostle Paul. And that same Saul who's there, who approved of the execution and is breathing threats of murder, just a couple of chapters later, we see that conversion. And this is the man who would go on to be the Apostle to the Gentiles, taking the message of Jesus uh, to the nations, and he would be the one that would write uh, things like Romans chapter 8 and Galatians chapter 5, which is all about living life by the guidance of the Spirit in the same way that Jesus explains here in uh, Luke chapter 12. And I wonder if it was because of Stephen's witness and prayer that this happened for Paul's forgiveness, that Jesus prayed that Saul would be forgiven. Lord, don't hold this up against him. He doesn't know what he's doing. And God actually answered that prayer. And uh, uh, Paul, who cursed the Son of Man, would later repent and would not grieve the Holy Spirit and would be forgiven and would become the Apostle Paul. Meanwhile, if we fast forward to the 21st century, there are about 3 billion people in our world who have never heard of Jesus. And there are probably about 5 billion people in our world uh, who are not following Jesus. And at least a half a million of those people live in the Birmingham metro area. At least, probably more. Some are your friends and your family members and colleagues and peers and neighbors. What's it going to take to see... Uh, for us to see them follow Jesus and not to experience a Christless eternity? Will you be like the hypocritical Pharisees who would rather please people 
uh, so you can continue to, to happily get along with them and have a social standing. Meanwhile, many of these people that you're happily socializing with are hellbound. Or will you be like Stephen, willing to sacrifice it all to bear witness for Jesus Christ? So some of his persecutors, like Paul, would indeed one day be forgiven, just like he prayed. You are not going to die here in Alabama for your faith, as I said. But are you willing to sacrifice your comfort? Are you willing? That's the place, the the, the social connection. Are we willing to sacrifice our comfort in those situations? Jesus ends our passage by saying that in these situations, you don't need to worry. You don't need to worry about what to say or how to act because the same Holy Spirit that led you to repentance, the same Holy Spirit that resurrected Jesus Christ from the dead, this same Holy Spirit is inside of you when you are a follower of Jesus Christ and he will guide you in in these situations when we're backed into a corner. Just as he did for Joseph's son in Romania in 1977, and just as he did for a brand-new Christian at a bachelor party in California 12 years ago. And just as he will, he will do when you're next faced between uh, pleasing uh, people and pleasing God. I want to end by reading you uh, some similar words from, from 1 Peter, where Peter uh, says quite the same thing. I mean, this is throughout the Gospels, the Epistles, uh, and not just in Paul, but also in Peter who said this, Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ as as, the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for, for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience. So that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, uh, than for doing evil. Friends, uh, the Holy Spirit, as I said, uh, who has been promised to us, who has the power from on high, from God Almighty, dwells inside of you. And will uh, guide you to do what Peter is describing here. Let's pray. Father, for that uh, promise that you've given us of your Holy Spirit, that we would trust in your work in in our lives when uh, witnessing to the faith that we have for your Son, Jesus Christ. And even if that makes us unpopular here, Lord, that we would uh, seek to please you and not those who would judge us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.